even if I have an idea of what may be a good solution for a patient, that's not my decision to make. I feel the same way when it comes to working with our investors. I can offer options that we have that I've researched and personally invested in myself, but ultimately it's up to the investor, just like it was up to the surgeon to make the choice that was right for that patient. Welcome to Surgeon Syndicate. If you're paying attention, you know that you only make money when you work. It might be great money, but it's dependent on you. The information on this podcast will help you solve that. We interview experts and provide analysis into financial freedom through commercial real estate. Why? To help physicians like you thrive. Let's dive in. Welcome to Surgeon Syndicate. This is your host, Dr. Michael McManus, and we're here today with Chris Larson. Chris, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me, Mike. Pleasure to be here. Chris is the founder and principal of Next Level Income. He was a previous medical device salesman for 18 years before he left and now works to help other people become financially independent. He's been investing in and managing real estate for over 20 years and has broad experience in development, private lending, distressed debt, as well as commercial office and syndications, including multifamily self-storage hotels, mobile home parks, car washes, and senior housing. He's been involved in the business since 2016 and has over $1.5 billion of real estate acquisitions. Chris, that is awesome. There is not much you haven't done in real estate. I've been at it a while, Mike. I've been at it a while. I should say Dr. McManus. I work with surgeons for almost two decades, so I'll call you Mike for today's show. That's fine. That's probably better that way. So this morning I was looking at your LinkedIn and there's a great story there of you skiing in Utah with your son when you made the decision that it was time for a change. Yeah. So um, look, you know well, as a lot of your listeners I'm sure know as well, being in the OR is challenging and being a medical device rep for those that don't know is sometimes even more challenging than being a surgeon because you're at the beck and call of the hospital schedule and not just the surgeon schedule, but I worked with about a dozen surgeons. So if a surgeon was on call, I was on call. And I had a partner that I shared call with, but it can be a very rewarding, lucrative career, but it can also be a very trying lifestyle if you want to have a family. And I knew that going into it. So one of my plans, and frankly, I got into the space because I wanted and needed capital to buy more real estate, But I also had an exit strategy. So when the time came and I just couldn't do it with the balance with my family anymore, I would have enough passive income to walk away. And the story you reference, I was still managing. I'd moved into a leadership role. I was in that role for about five years. And I was working for an independent distributor who was a friend of mine. So I was a 1099 contractor and he sold his distributorship back to the company. And some things change as it does when you go from a small business to a large corporation. And I'd actually worked for that business before, so it wasn't foreign to me, but I didn't want to go down that path again. And as resources got tighter and we were a fast-growing organization at my level, we were growing about 30% a year in a business that was growing 5 or 6%. And it was hard to align resources with that type of growth. And I just wasn't enjoying myself anymore. I told my wife, I said, I'm going to stop doing this when it's not fun. Because we got to the point where my accountant said, hey, like you don't have to work anymore. You're <laughs> passive income. You have resources and assets. And my wife and I had finished our home that our office here that you see is in. And I took my son out to visit a friend in Salt Lake. We'd skied for a few days. And he looked at me and said, dad, I really, I want to do more of this. And I was actually sitting there on the plane, Mike, and I had my legal pad with me and I was writing my plan 
for the following year because it was the second of January, and we were maybe it was the first of January. It was it was New Year's, and it was Sunday, and I had my call with my VP on Tuesday to go over the plan, and I rewrote it. I crossed out a bunch of stuff that involved me, and I basically put together a transition plan. And I told my VP that Tuesday, I explained it to him, and he goes, "This is great, Chris." He goes, "But I don't see you. Like, what do you do in this?" Like, he could see that there was something <laughs> there, and I explained to him it was basically my notice. And he, we developed a transition plan. They were very gracious, and I was very grateful for kind of how it worked out. But that was about four years ago, um, three years ago, about three years ago. It's been wonderful. Now I get to spend more time, as you mentioned in the intro, working with people to help them grow their passive income. But more importantly, I get to be a father. And we talked about kind of my father prior to the show here. And it's something that's very, very precious and very important to me to be present for those moments in their lives. That's awesome. What's great is you had a plan. And I think for a lot of docs, and you probably saw this, there's so much that goes into getting there. It's this push to be the best student so you can get into medical school and then to get the residency you need. And by the time you're a doctor, it's almost like, You've been fighting and clawing your way up to get to this point. It can be then overwhelming to then look at what to do with your assets and have to learn this whole new thing. Because it kind of almost feels like first day of clinicals, when you're in medical school, you walk into the hospital and everybody's like, what are you doing here? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. It's quite overwhelming. You're like, how do I even get back to my car? Because the halls look like a giant maze, right? And you're like, I wish I brought my breadcrumbs, but yeah. So a lot of docs, they get there and now it's, what do I do with my money? And there's a lot of fear there with your knowledge of having worked with docs. Has that helped with kind of lead them down the path that this isn't as big a scary thing as it might seem? That's a great question. So I think there's a couple pieces to that. So first off, if you're a doctor, you're very intelligent. You are obviously a hard worker. You've committed your life to a cause that's really bigger than you. And all those things are very admirable. And I have tremendous respect for almost all the doctors I worked with. There's a couple out there, to be honest. But no, I have a tremendous amount of respect as I talk about in my book for the doctors and surgeons that I work with just because of how difficult it is and how we really need, especially in this country today, we need more doctors as our population ages. And we have tremendous healthcare, even though it's not a perfect system. Part of the challenge is, and look, I also saw this when I was in school for engineering. And frankly, like I'm not the smartest guy in the world. I'm not the smartest engineer. I wasn't the best cyclist when I raced, but I'm pretty good at seeing the big picture and putting a plan together. And I'm disciplined. I can work hard. So that helped get me through my career. But those things that made me a good rep, that made me be able to work hard and do that, and those things that make doctors good at what they do, surgeons good at what they do, sometimes prohibits us from advancing in other areas. And one of the challenges that the doctors have is they make a lot of money, they don't have a lot of time, and they may not understand certain pieces of the financial world. And they have people come in that are glorified salespeople and say, hey, we can set you up financially. And they may not get the best advice. And it's no different than if I'm in the OR and a surgeon looked at me when I worked for, say, Medtronic, who I worked for for 10 years, and said, Chris, what should I use for this surgery? Well, Chances are 99 times out of 100, I'm going to say it's a product from Medtronic. I'm paid to sell Medtronic products. I was paid to sell Medtronic products. If we didn't have it that small amount of time or it wasn't a good solution, I would tell the surgeon that. And that's what financial advisors are typically. So they recommend the products that they have. A lot of times they're actually prohibited, as I was, from selling other products. 
they can't recommend things that we invest in, Mike, like private real estate. They're actually contractually prohibited from doing that. And it's almost mind-boggling, but then when you understand the system and the incentives that are there, then you can figure it out. So I think you know, communicating in an environment like that and also working in a fairly complex system, medical, financial, we have a lot of things there. And then, yes, I think learning and being able to communicate with very intelligent individuals, sometimes complex concepts. I think I had a lot of practice doing that. And also, frankly, having to be humble because I wasn't the surgeon. And even if I have an idea of what may be a good solution for a patient and their outcome in the OR, that's not my decision to make. So I feel the same way You know, when it comes to working with our investors, our clients. I can offer options that we have that I've researched and personally invested in myself, but ultimately it's up to the investor, just like it was up to the surgeon or doctor to make the choice that was right for that patient. You make a great point there because it is as soon as you finish your training, you start getting calls. I think it was before I was even done with residency, like two days after I finished med school, I got a call from a stockbroker in Florida. I'm like, you don't understand. I just accumulated a pile of debt. Now I have a job working 100 hours a week for $25,000. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No. And a lot of people don't realize that. Like, yeah, it's wild. But you start off with those sales calls and then docs get nervous about that. And by the time you finish residency, you can be really nervous. And it's having somebody where you can talk to and start to learn these things are really an important thing. And yeah. What's great about your background is you've done so many different things that you're not just stuck on one asset class. Yep. Tell me a little bit more about that, like yep. your history of working through different real estate asset classes, because that's really cool. Most people I don't see that level of experience. Yeah. Well, thanks for that. So I tend to develop frameworks for things that I do. And I say, okay, can this framework, whether it's with real estate or investing or whether it was came to sales or our business or even like politics, different things. So I'm always trying to think about frameworks and stress testing those frameworks and saying, okay, can this framework be applied going forward? So my investing framework revolves largely around real estate. I got my MBA in portfolio management. And during that time, as I was finishing my engineering degree and getting my MBA, I read about 250 books on money, business, stocks, real estate. And I decided that my path towards financial independence was going to be through real estate obviously from what you've told here. And originally it was residential real estate, but the reason I got into medical device sales and specifically orthopedics was not just because I have a biomechanical engineering degree. It was actually because of the demographic tide that I saw moving. And that tide was the baby boomers. And as I'm sure you know, Dr. McManus, your patients that come in, you've probably seen a lot of baby boomers and you have the most affluent, most active generation in history. They want to continue to be active. So I thought, okay, what's a way that you can take advantage of this trend, this tide? And I said, I want to put myself on the front of that wave that's about to break, the baby boomers having surgery, and I'll ride that wave for the next 10 or 20 years of my career. 10 years ago, when I was introduced to an operator, a syndicator in the multifamily space, and again, I talk about this in my book, which I'm happy to share with your audience today if you're listening, I learned those same demographic trends applied to the millennials that were starting to rent. And it was like I was hearing the same story all over again that I'd heard 10 or 15 years prior with the baby boomers. And I thought, well, this is just a rising tide that's going to raise the multifamily, the apartment market over the next decade. So I said, okay, I'm going to follow demographic trends. 
I like the value add strategy, which if you're listening, you may be familiar with, which is buying basically a stable business or a stable piece of real estate that we can increase revenues and improve operations and increase the spread, which is net operating income, which means we can actually increase the value in a controlled sense in our properties. But then also, I'm not oblivious to think that multifamily is the be all end all of real estate, even though my book, I call it the holy grail, which really refers to the risk adjusted returns of real estate. But mobile home parks are an affordable form of multifamily housing, in my view. Senior housing, independent living, for instance, is a specialized form of multifamily. So you can apply the same framework, you can apply the same value add strategy in these different areas that work. Now, car washes, frankly, are a little bit different. But you can use the same framework and apply you know, the trends and the demographic analysis and local analysis that we use in multifamily, as well as the value-add strategy to have a successful car wash investment or car wash business as well. So again, the framework involves real estate, value-add, propelled by demographics. And then we look at the real estate cycle where we are and we identify opportunities during different parts of the cycle. We identify operators that we can partner with and work with in those spaces. And then we want to bet on long-term trends that are going to last for five, 10, sometimes even 20 years. So let's go back to the book. So yeah. I sat there for a minute because this is great because most people I know in this space who have written a book, yeah. it's an educational tool and they're putting it out there to help people learn about the space. Yes. And from a lot of people, they're like, oh, he's trying to sell a book. But I don't know if I've met anybody who wrote a book that the book sales were the game changer in their life. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> because, maybe Stephen King, you know, but yeah. yeah. Well, in the real estate space. Right. Because yeah, exactly. usually the people writing the best books are people who are already very successful and they're giving this information that helps other people head down this road of real estate success. And sure, the book may add some income, yeah. but it's not like, Stephen King. No, I'll concur with that. And I just wanted to throw that out there because people didn't feel like it was just coming on the show to push the book because they're likely to get a lot more value out of the book than they may spend on it. Um, yeah. I would say that out of all the real estate books, the best ones that have been torn to shreds. So tell me a little bit more about the book and yeah. what you're trying to accomplish there. Yeah. So the book is Next Level Income. I wrote it as originally as an ebook several years ago, and then we published it. Actually, literally, it came out like the week COVID shut everything down. So just fortuitous timing. It's called Next Level Income. It talks a little bit about my story. Actually, you can get it for free. You don't even have to pay for it, but you're welcome to go to Amazon and buy a copy. But we'll send you a copy for free. Go to nextlevelincome.com, click on the book link, put your email in or even your address, and we'll send you a copy for free as well. And look, from a practical perspective, yeah, you're going to learn about my story. You're going to learn about multifamily and the value-add strategy and learn some of the lessons that took me 15 years to learn. But also, let's talk about it from a selfish perspective. If you read my book and you don't like my story, you don't like my strategy, and you don't want to invest with me, and you save me a 30-minute phone call, then it's worth it for me to send you a free book. Okay? And if you read it and you get some value out of it, one of the reasons we wrote the book, we started the podcast, we have the blog is that Next Level Income was founded to curate educational information. Because I mentioned there's real problems in the medical industry in this country, right? Like There's some things that are broken. The payer system is separated from care, from doctors, from hospitals. We can go on and on. We don't incentivize health over procedures all the time. So there's things that need to be fixed. I'm not fixing those problems, frankly. 
But we also have problems in terms of financial literacy. And I said, how can I help solve the financial literacy program in this world? We started a financial literacy program for a local nonprofit. The podcast, the book helps people, helps potential investors, or even people that just want to learn how to make more money, become more financially successful, learn how the financial world works. It doesn't have to be some foreign entity that's out there that you can't learn. It's like learning a language. If you spend a little bit of time, you learn the language of finance, how the business works, then you can make better choices. And look, I think if people have financial independence, they end up becoming better people. They can spend more time focused on doing what it is that they're meant to do, that their purpose is here on earth, and less time being a slave to debt and other financial issues that they may face in their lives. And that's great because there's things that initially in real estate and in syndication that can seem confusing, can seem complex. The whole syndication process and limited partners and general partners and a capital stack and all these things. But the more you hear it, and it took me a while, it wasn't the first time I saw it like, oh, this makes perfect sense. I kind of memorized it like for a test where I could go through and show a waterfall structure. But yeah. the more I heard it on different podcasts, saw it in a different book, I think it's the same thing as what we do in medicine. You study anatomy and you can memorize the parts, but it's not the same as then after you've operated on it a hundred times. And it doesn't even take that many times to understand a capital stack. It doesn't change as much as anatomy does, where you get surprised when you find it the way it's supposed to be. But it's great because it's just another resource for people to start to hear it. And everybody's voice is a little different. And some people will may not connect with your book, but they connect with another. And so I recommend all of them. It's such a great option out there to help move people down that road of understanding. Yeah. And again, Mike, I wrote it. It tells a little bit about my story. And it's interesting. A lot of my friends and even close friends of mine that I sent the book to when it first came out, they didn't realize some of the things that occurred in my life when I was younger um, or why I did things. So that was kind of nice to be able to share that. But also it goes through basics. Like how do you set up an opportunity fund? Like where do you put your capital while you're waiting for a deal? What are the different strategies out there? You can do development, you can do value add, you can buy a property that's basically a core asset and do those things. So we talk a lot about all that. But again, as I mentioned earlier, I do go through kind of how I formulated my personal framework when it comes to investing, and hopefully it can help you do the same for yours. That's awesome. Well, on that note, let's wrap up this portion of the show and we're going to have Chris back for his second episode. So please join us for that. And thank you for joining us today. This has been an episode of Surgeon Syndicate. If you found value in this episode, no other surgeons are hungry to become job optional. You can help them by sharing this content today. I also want to serve you better. So I want to offer you two things. Number one, I'll be able to give you the content in an even better way if you can take a moment and leave an honest review of the show explaining what you like and what you don't. And number two, if you are a surgeon and serious about this, you don't want to do this on your own because you don't want to make mistakes with your money. I'd be happy to help. Schedule a call. We can make a plan. Looking forward to having you with me on the next episode.